0: Morning, Good morning, church. Thanks for choosing to worship with us at Anastasia this morning. Uh, my name is Tiffany Harbage, and I have the privilege of serving as a women's ministry intern here. Um, one of our core values here at Anastasia is that every person is important. So whether you're new here or you've been coming for quite a while, we would love to connect with you. There are a couple ways you can connect with us. Um, and the first way is to text the word CONNECT to 904-441-6900 that allows you to fill out a digital connect card so that we can get in touch with you. You can also fill out a physical um, connect card that's located at the back of your bulletin um, and you can turn it in either at the welcome desk located just outside the south atrium doors um, and that'll allow you to connect with us and uh, pray with you or um, connect with you in whatever way is necessary. I have a couple of announcements of things going on in the life of our church this week Um, and the first one is men, there's the champion men's event coming up this saturday the doors open at nine thirty, 30 and the event starts at ten thirty. so if um, you're a man and you'd like some fellowship some fun and some food we invite you to that visit anastasiachurch.org forward slash champion to find out some more information about that we also have a beach baptism coming up on sunday october 2nd so if you are The Lord is leading you to take that next step of faith and obedience to be baptized. Um, Just talk to one of our counselors after worship, and we'll be more than happy to give you information and get you um, to do that. Um, And if you guys got to take a look around, I'm sure y'all saw that the campus looked a little bit different this morning. Um, So we just ask for your prayers and for your patience at this time as we were able to... Uh, Break ground in our four generations to come building project. Um, So we just ask for your prayers and your patience as we go through this God bless
1: Forever O Lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens God's word is the only sure foundation upon which we can build our lives Sometimes we try to build it on our finances, but if you've been watching the news in the last, oh, 150 years, you know those go up and down. We could try building it on our social status or on anything like that, but it's, it comes and goes. It, it ebbs and wanes. The only thing that does not change is that which is firmly fixed in the heavens, God's word. It's what we can build our lives on. Let's stand. Let's sing that truth. unless Jesus returns within our lifetime, is the end of this life on earth. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's the final fiery trial on our path, and it's yet one more opportunity for God to display his all-sufficient grace and to demonstrate his triumph over all things. The Apostle Paul wrote about that ultimate victory over death that Jesus made possible for every soul Along Jesus hath leaned for repose. Let's read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. These are v- verses 50 through 57. They're on the screen. Let's read together. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, Would you begin by simply thanking God for sending his son to pay the penalty for our sins? Thank Jesus for faithfully accomplishing his task. Now open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and ask him to bring to mind any unconfessed sin you might be harboring. Admit that sin, acknowledge it, ask for forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for the gift of restored relationship with you. Thank you for the power of your righteous, omnipotent hand that overcomes any obstacle. And grant to us a growing understanding of and a renewed appreciation for your ultimate victory. And all God's people said, amen. So Jesus won that victory when he gave his life on the cross. What he did on that cross brought the victory. Let's stand and sing that. Victory in Jesus. Our own Albert Cador, come and share with us about your recent visit in Thank New York. Thank
2: you, Pastor. Thank you, David. Well, I want to greet everybody. Good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Well, I just want to share a couple things with you all. And uh, the first thing I'd like to share is we had the pleasure and privilege of going to New York City on July 17th. And uh, in that, we, uh, there were more than 70 us. Seventy of us and we went in a posture of prayer We went in the Holy Spirit in prayer uh, And in divine appointments we went with humility We went with meekness and gentleness to be image bearers of God We went with empathy to remember that people are lost We went in readiness and we were trained and equipped and prepared versatile and flexible. We went in the beauty of the Lord. But before I go any further to testify of what God did in the streets of New York City, I want to thank you, church, for your prayers, for your spiritual covering, for your financial support, for the opportunity to serve here at Anastasia Baptist Church throughout the United States in Russia, Argentina, Brazil, India, and Nepal. You all have been a church family that have prayed for us, supported us, covered us, counseled with us, and helped us grow in God's grace. As I said on the 17th through the 23rd of July, 70 saints from various parts of the United States gathered in Weehawken, New Jersey, not far from the place where Alexander Hamilton sustained a fatal wound in a duel from the third vice president of the United States, Aaron Burr. A 12 minute ferry ride over the Hudson River dropped our five teams of 10 to 14 people in central Manhattan, New York City. New York, New York, it was so great they had to name it twice. It was our 28th year, it was the 28th year of this ministry going to New York City. On a rotational basis, three to five praying saints would remain in the rears to pray as God mobilized the majority of the 70 witnesses into the streets in the five boroughs of New York City. 12 to 18 million people in that city, more than almost 50 different people groups that live in that great city. Times Square Community Church was founded by David Wilkerson who, who also founded Teen Challenge. They were our hosting church. You may also have heard of the cross and the switchblade featuring a New York City gang member by the name of Nikki Cruz. Christ sparked many others to come to Christ through that work. Our team of CORD, our team five, trekked into Harlem the very first day. The heat index was over 100. We were drenched with a humid thunderstorm and still connected with well over 50 people that first day in the city. Many of those we witnessed, we prayed with, and many prayed to receive Christ. Tuesday, we were in the Bronx at the Hub. Wednesday, Madison Square Park. Thursday, Uptown Manhattan, Washington Square Park. Friday, Central Park. More than 70 people said yes to Jesus. Can you give him a little hand? Can you give the Lord a I hand? Mean? <laughs> to him be the glory, to him be the glory. Hundreds of people allowed our teams to pray with them. Hundreds of people pray with them and for them. So a short testimony. I called it a blunt encounter. I connected with a young man who held a Colt 45 malt liquor can in his hand the entire time we talked. And when I asked his name, he said, my name's Blunt. I said, that's a peculiar name. He said, you want to know why they call me Blunt? (laughs) Because I'm Blunt. Well, Ricardo's story was that his wife had had a double, was a double amputee and lost an arm also with diabetes. And then in April, she passed. And he was just crushed and struggling. I got to share the gospel with Ricardo and pray with him. And you know what he said when we were done? Are you going to be here for a little while? Let me go get my nephew. Let me go get my nephew and I'll bring him back. And he brought his nephew back. And the truth of the matter is, he came in on this little motor scooter and all of his front teeth were gold. And he had all these gold chains and everything. And I got to share with His nephew, who his wife took care of. On another street corner in the Bronx, a young man walking by at a fast pace had this big cross and gold chain. I said, excuse me, sir, that is one handsome cross. Is there any significance to that? He said, yeah. You see these initials at the top? They're my son's initials. And they just caught his murderer today, and I'm out here walking it off. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Thousands, hundreds and thousands of people struggling, struggling, hurting. A a murder brought to justice. The divine appointments that we had in, in some of the parks, to give you an idea, a young Jewish man from Boca Raton, Kyle, we got to pray with him. Pray for him. A physical therapist student whose parents live in Palm Coast, we got to connect with him. A hope that only Christ can give. In a masked city where COVID test spots are on almost every corner, a lady approached us and said, could you pray for my friend? We said, of course. Her friend came up and her mask was hanging from her face. And I said, how can we pray for you, ma'am? She said, I have COVID. Well, using discretion, I gently prayed as I put a little distance. (laughs) A city that's hurting. And I just want to say thank you and give God all the glory. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you for your prayers and friendship most of all.
3: Thank you, Al. Victory of Jesus, we just sang that. And he just shared some victories that were brought there in New York City. Can you imagine going down into the city and doing that? That's an exciting thing. I had the privilege way, way back to meet Nicky Cruz right after he came to know Christ. <clears throat> he came to a camp that I was running in southern New York. And it was really an interesting time. I looked out the window and hear this guy's walk, <clears throat> walking up to my door. And back those days, they had the, their hair slicked back. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? And he knocked on the door. He says, I'm Nicky Cruz. Can I come in and talk with you? And so he came in, and we prayed together and had fellowship together. What an experience. Right after the cross and the switchblade was written. So it was really quite a time. So, praise the Lord for people that will go into New York City and share the gospel, but it's not any different there than it is here. We need to do the same. And Pastor Walter this morning will challenge you to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share that truth and share that peace. And we need to rejoice in the fact that our new uh, uh, building is a beginning. It's not a building, it's gonna be a, a place where young children and teenagers are gonna come to know Jesus Christ, just what Al was talking about. And we wanna thank you for sharing your resources to make that happen. So let's pray for those resources right now that God will provide them. Father, I do thank you again for the offering. I thank you for the gifts, I thank you for the tithes, and the special gifts that are given for the generation to come. As we pray for those children, as we pray for the workers that are going to construct this facility, Lord, we just ask that with excitement you guide us and direct us as we walk through that together. So we thank you for your love, we thank you for your provision, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
1: pray for open eyes open ears to hear from god during this next time speak
4: to my heart
5: church i tell you what it's been an exciting week did any of you get to go out to groundbreaking after the service last week anybody you went out there and and sure enough the contractors they took it to heart because they broke up a lot of other ground (laughs) between now and between then and now and uh we're we're well on our way Uh, i want to say thank you for being a part of that that's just one celebration uh, we're going to have several celebrations as we go through this, uh, this process. And I want to thank you for your patience. Uh, you notice the parking lot was a little bit different today. And some of you might have had to take a shuttle to get here from the back parking lot. Uh, I just want to thank you in advance for your patience for the next 14 to 16 months on that. Okay. <laughs> but we know that, that faith and perseverance is going to lead us to the promise, right? And so, and, and uh, I was just so grateful coming in. I, I did not hear a word of complaining, not a word of complaining. So I've just, I, my hat's off to you guys. Uh, thank you for being patient with us here. So anyway, we're going to get into the message right now. We're in the series that we're calling 517. And it comes from Gospel of John 517, where Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, my father is working until now, and I am working. And what we're doing in this series is we're going through, we're going through the Bible. We're talking about those major points in the Bible in the story of redemption. We're doing that during the fall. And what we're wanting to remind us is that our God is still at work. We started off with Genesis 1 and we talked about how God created the heavens and the earth. Well, God is creator. He hasn't changed. He's still creating. He is still creating. He's creating new hearts And new lives in him. So we can trust in God, our creator. Uh, We looked at uh, Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they sinned. And because sin came into the world, so did death, weakness, corruption, um, all kinds of things. And in the midst of that, God gave hope. Well, you know, God gave hope because that's who he is. He's a hope giver. And God is still giving hope to us. Uh, we know that uh, after that time, there was a flood with Noah. Uh, sin just spread throughout the world, and, and uh, God said, I'm just going to press reset. And he brought Noah to, to redeem humanity, Noah to save a remnant uh, through the flood. After that, the, the people spread out again, and, and this time they were prideful, and, and they tried to build a great big tower, the Tower of Babel. And because of their pride, um, God... Uh, split them again. And this time he separated them by language. And then we saw that God in the midst of this, he chose a man named Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. He said, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Well, you know what we learned is that God, he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And our God, he's still a promise maker and a promise keeper. You can trust him to keep his promises. And so, as we kept going through the Bible, we see that, uh, you know, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, uh, his family went to Egypt and eventually became slaves over there. And it took several generations before God raised up a man named Moses who led them out. And as he's leading them out of Egypt and back to where the promised land was, uh, God gave them the Ten Commandments because God is our commander, right? God sets the standard. Well, let me tell you, God's still at work, He's still the commander right? Right? Are y'all out there? Do you hear me? He's still the commander, right? Okay, good, good. He's still setting the standard. So the Ten Commandments, they're still viable for today, okay? we have to Make sure we all understand that. Well, the, the children of Israel, they didn't go to the promised land immediately. They hesitated because of lack of faith, lack of trust, and they ended up having to wander for 40 years until a new generation was raised up. And that's where I want to pick up the story today. Uh, this is Joshua chapter 1. Okay, so I invite you to take your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. A new generation of leadership has matured. Um, the man named Joshua was called to lead the people into the promised land, to capture and take ownership of the promise, to settle in the land. But it wasn't an empty land. Uh, there were Canaanites there. There were Philistines there. There were Hittites there. There were giants that were there. There were fortified cities. But you know, the Lord was not only preparing a people. He was preparing a place for the Messiah to be born. And he said, well, I want you to take the land. But there are going to be battles. There are always battles. There are always battles. We have battles today, don't we? I mean, we have have external battles. How do I relate to society and cultural situations that might be contrary to my faith, might even be hostile to my walk in Christ? There are internal battles. Do you ever have battles inside your head? Battles inside with your emotions? And so we have those battles that we struggle with because of sin and anger and pride and unhealthy lusts and all those kinds of things. There are battles on the inside. And there are spiritual battles. We have a Lord, our Father in heaven. He is alive. He's on his throne. He's, he is powerful. But do you realize we also have an adversary, Satan, who is doing everything he can to prevent us from obtaining all the promises that God wants us to have. So we have, we have spiritual battles going on. There's spiritual warfare going on. And you and I are on the front lines of spiritual battles, external battles, and internal battles. And in the midst of that, we need a champion. And we have a champion. Amen? Amen. We have a champion. That champion is our our Father. God is our champion. And and let me tell you something about God. God always wins. God always wins. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to be reading from Joshua chapter 1, the first nine verses of that book. And this is what the Word of God says. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your promise, that your presence is with us wherever we go. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to claim the promises, to receive the promises that you intend for us. And, Lord, that we would not let anything keep us from your will. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So now in this story, Moses is gone, and Moses' assistant is now leading. Now, if you want to know, if I let you know a little bit about what's going on in my head, the thing that, as I was reading the scripture that concerned me the most, was how to say Moses' assistant. That's hard to say. Moses' assistant. And then I practiced it, and then I realized... Well, is it Moses' assistant or is it Moses' assistant? That's what's going on in my head, okay? You know, I'm I'm not nearly as put together as I may look, okay? So all the insecurities, okay? So anyway, he says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. He says, go over the Jordan. There's a barrier between him and the promised land. He says, go over this Jordan. Now, that word in Hebrew is one word. It's abar, to go over. It means to march over. It means to go literally through a barrier. He says, you got to cross this barrier. Now, the first physical barrier to the promised land was the river Jordan. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, they had to cross that, and Joshua 3, when they actually do cross over the river, in Joshua chapter, chapter 3, you'll find that the river Jordan was at flood stage, okay? And he said, you need to go over this flooded river. But you see, on the other side of the, of the river, that was God's plan. On the other side of the river, that's where God's promise was. But it's a barrier, and we have to cross over barriers to get to the promise, And it's not just a barrier, it's a barrier at flood stage. Do you ever feel like you're dealing with barriers at flood stage? You're not just having barriers in your life. It's like it's just going up and up and up and up, and how am I ever going to get over this? And God says, go and overtake the barrier. Overtake the barrier. Now let's look at God's promises today. What is God's promise and God's plan? I can sum it up in one word. It's redemption. Redemption is God's promise. Redemption is God's plan. Now, what is redemption? That means that people would receive complete forgiveness of their sins and that people would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. That's God's plan. That's what he wants, okay? And that's what a win is for him. And I tell you, God always wins. Uh, There's a poll that came out a week or two ago, and I don't know if you saw it, but it proclaimed the end of American Christianity. Now, um, Let me tell you, certainly right now in this day, we're on the negative side of popular cultural opinion. But can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? This is not new. This has happened over and over again in the history of our nation. It's happened over and over again in the history of the world. And and let me tell you what happens. Christianity doesn't die. Christ, Christ doesn't go back into the grave. God doesn't die. God always wins. God always wins. Okay? So we don't need to be discouraged. But but what is a win? A win is redemption. A win is redemption. I was just so excited at 9 o'clock this morning to come into this room and watch seven young kids get baptized. You know, that's beautiful. The next generation coming up. You know, we can get discouraged when we think... When we incorrectly define what a win is, a win is redemption. A win is when the mission statement that we have here at this church is accomplished. It's helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. When that happens, that's a win. And are there barriers? Yes, there are barriers. There are external barriers. There are internal barriers. There are spiritual barriers. And the Lord says, whenever you come to a barrier that's keeping you from the promise, go over the barrier. Go over. Blow past it. And that's the first point I want to make. If you're using the sermon notes in the bulletin, go and overtake redemption barriers in the power of the Lord. Go and overtake the redemption barriers. And and what are they? Well, fear is a redemption barrier. Sometimes we don't have those gospel conversations with someone because we have fear. Racial prejudices can be uh, a redemption barrier. Ethnic prejudices are, are, are redemption barriers. But whenever there's a barrier to the gospel, We just got to go over it. We just got to overtake that barrier. That is not something that God intended for us to to prevent us from from taking care of of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Finances can be a redemption barrier. We had groundbreaking last week. Well, you know, some might want to say, you know, do we have enough money to finish this building? Okay, see, so the, the finances are, are, are concerned there. And well, let me tell you, first of all, we're not building an edifice just to build a, a big temple or anything. What we're doing is we're building a tool, and we're breaking down barriers to reaching families in the next generation. And I know that God told us to go forward. So if God told us to go forward, he'll find a way for the finances to happen, okay? The cost of the building can be a barrier, but you know, God says, take this step of faith, and I'll be with you. The same message is in the New Testament. This is not just an Old Testament message. This is a New Testament message. You remember when Jesus was giving the Great Commission? He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Those are barriers that you're crossing, cultural barriers, distance barriers. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. He says, go, go past there. Go, therefore, and cross the barriers. Uh, Many of you know David Wilson. David comes to this worship service. He teaches the Life Group class. He sits right back over there near the corner. Well, you know where David is today? He's in the Congo. He's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's crossing national barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers in order to share Jesus. We have a group of women that are leaving uh, early next year. They're going to go to Costa Rica. They're going to share the gospel with young girls in the BriBri tribe. Why? Because God said, you need to go past those berries. We've got people going to Nicaragua. We have a daughter church in Asia. We have an orphanage in Haiti. All of these things, wherever there's a barrier to the gospel, God says, there's no problem. It may be a berry, but there's no problem. Why? Verse 5. Look at our passage, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I really want to unpack this statement. Because this is talking about the presence of the Lord. There is power in the presence of the Lord. Did you know? Did you know that the Lord is in this place. Right now, the Lord is in this place. His presence is here. And did you know that you can be in His presence and not with His presence? You can be in His presence and not standing with Him on His side. But I tell you this when we stand with Him, we win. You know why? Because God always wins. Thank you. God always wins. He'll never leave us or forsake us, but do you stand with him? See, this is the next point. If you want to receive the promises, stand with the winning team. Stand with the winning team. That's the Lord's presence. Wherever the Lord stands, wherever the Lord is going, that's where I need to stand. That's where I need to make my stand. I want to be in the presence and I want to be with the presence of the Lord. Because that's where the victory is. It's being with the presence of the Lord. The first battle, when they're going into the promised land, the first battle was this huge fortified city. It was a city named Jericho. And God gave them the victory at Jericho. You know, he didn't say, bring out all your highest artillery. He didn't say, get the big guns out. He said, put the trumpets in front and the priests and just walk around in silence for a while. And then after a while, have a worship service and praise the Lord, and the wall's just going to come tumbling down. What a strategy! What a strategy. And you know what happened? The walls came tumbling down. They came tumbling down. Why did that happen? Because in Joshua 6, verse 27, it gives us an understanding of that. It says, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. The presence of the Lord brings victory. Never underestimate the presence of the Lord. We're always in his presence, but are we with his presence? The next battle for them, it was a defeat. It was a defeat because in the camp of the Lord at that time, there was betrayal. There were people that stole stuff that was supposed to go to the Lord. Uh, there was lying going on. They were people that were facing their own, they were trusting in their own wisdom, and they decided how much they were going to uh, take into the battle, and they weren't trusting in the Lord, and, and they weren't with the presence of the Lord. And the children of Israel depended on their own strength, not the Lord, and they attacked this little bitty city called Ai. Little bitty city, so small that the name of the town only had two letters and no consonants. That's how small this this place was. And Israel was defeated. Why? Because Israel was not with the presence of the Lord. They weren't standing with God. They were standing in their own strength. It says so in Joshua chapter 7, verse 12, where, where God says this to Moses at the end of that verse, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. God never forsakes us. But when we forsake him, when we try to walk away from him, when we are prideful, when we try to run from him and run toward our own passions and goals, we're losing the power of the presence because we're not standing with him in his presence. So I want to stand in the presence with the presence of the Lord. Do you remember the story of Jonah in the Bible? He was that prophet. He was called to go to Nineveh and preach destruction on the city of Nineveh. And he didn't want to go, so instead he decided to get on a boat, and you know where that landed him. He wanted to get on a boat. Why did he get on the boat? He was trying to run from the presence of the Lord. You can't run from the presence of the Lord, and you don't want to. You don't want to run from the presence of the Lord. Psalm 51.11, David wrote this. He said, "'Cast me not away from your presence,' Take not your Holy Spirit from me. We need to crave the presence of the Lord. The difference between being in the presence of the Lord and not in the presence of the Lord, and I want you to listen very carefully to this. The difference between being in the presence of the Lord and not in the presence of the Lord is literally the difference between heaven and hell. Literally the difference Being in heaven means I'm in the presence of the Lord forever and being in hell means I'm eternally separated from the presence and the blessings of the Lord. The difference between the presence of the Lord and not in the presence is literally the difference between heaven and hell. And you know, some people say, I don't want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to run for the presence of the Lord and God may grant you your prayer request. But be careful what you pray for. You know, so how do I stay with the presence of the Lord? Well, it's that constant movement of turning toward God. That constant moving of turning and turning away from my own goals and turning toward God's goals. We call that turning repenting, okay, or repentance. And repenting is a good thing. And, and I think, I, I've told you before, I think that word gets a bad rap. Repenting is a good thing because if I'm off course just a little and I take that course correction that's going to bring me closer to God, that's a very, very good thing. And so what happens is repenting is those daily course corrections that I make to be closer to God. When someone needs to repent, it's not just when they first accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Repenting should be a daily activity for everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every day, I want to get closer and closer and closer to God. He doesn't have to change his direction. I have to change mine, okay? So anyway, and so that's a good thing. And you know what happens when we repent? Listen to this. This is Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That's a great thing, right? Your sins are blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from what? The presence of the Lord. Yeah. You want to win battles? Stand with the winning team, with the presence of the Lord. The Lord's leading to you. Just like he says in the Great Commission, at the very end of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 20, And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Here we are. The the most important thing we can have with us, if we want to win the battles, is be in the presence and with the presence of the Lord. Because God always wins, right? God always wins. Say that with me. God always wins. Yes. Now let's move forward here, verse 6 of Joshua 1. The Lord comes to Joshua and says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give to them, to give them. He says you've got to be strong and courageous. You know, we have battles and we have the presence of the Lord, so we know we're gonna have the victory, but even if we know we're gonna have the victory, battles can be fearsome and they can be frightening. And so that's why we need courage. And, and so I want to say as we're going through those battles, be brave. Be brave. That's the next point. Just be brave. You know, the Word of God is going to emphasize this over and over again in this chapter. In verse 6, in verse 7, in verse 9, it's going to say, be courageous, stand firm, even when you have fear. Courage doesn't mean you don't have fear. Courage means you stand firm when you do have fear. Because we know God's going to win the battle, and God will also overcome our fear, okay? So, uh, verse 7, it added more than just being brave. Look at verse 7 now. And be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So be faithful in following God's word. And that's the next point. Be faithful to God's word. It's the winning path. Be faithful to God's word. It's the winning path. Now, I know some of you are going to say that I sound like a broken record. All Pastor Walter talks about is trusting in Jesus, reading the Bible, praying, and and these things. Can I tell you something? Trusting Jesus Christ and living a successful Christian life, it's not new and exciting things that no one ever heard about. It is praying, reading the Bible, trusting in Jesus, obedience to the Lord. It's those things that we've heard over and over and over again. They're easy to say, but we have to say them over and over again because they're hard to do. But be faithful. Be faithful to God's word because it's the winning path. Because, you know, he gives us his presence on his path. And I don't want to get off the path. I don't want to get off the path to the left. I don't want to get off the path to the right. I don't want to move away from God's word. You know, we say here at Anastasia that the Bible is the, it's the map. It's our core values. Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map, right? And so there's more ways to get off route with God uh, with the Bible, the one way is, is to ignore the Word of God, and that's just rebellion. That's rebellion against God. Another way is to make it say more than it really says, and that's legalism. Okay, but I want to be faithful to the Word as the Holy Spirit eliminates it, illuminates it. Illuminates, excuse me. I love what Paul wrote in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said this, he said, All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Wow. And the last thing I want to share with us is this. In Joshua 1 verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God wins. And when God wins, we win. And so when God wins, I win. So we need to be celebrating the wins. Do you realize that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're a winner? You are a winner. If you are a winner and you're in the presence of God and you come in here, we should be coming in here with a sense of victory in our heart, right? Right? I mean, you are winning, and so if you are winning and you're in the presence of the Lord, there is no reason for any Christian ever to come to church grumpy. (laughs) Why would you come grumpy? You're winning, right? Celebrate the win. Celebrate the presence of the Lord. I love what Tamara Bennett does with the kids when they do baptisms on Sunday morning. You know what she does? They do the baptisms, and then the kids that get baptized, the, the other kids come down to watch them. They go back up to, their, up to the classroom area. But the kids that get baptized, they wait, and they all go up together. And they get off the elevator on the third floor, and here's what happens. All the other kids, they line the hallway. They just cheer them on. And there's confetti. And they're shouting. And they're encouraging them. They're celebrating the win of redemption. Isn't that what we need to do? That's what we did last week. Groundbreaking. It was a cele- celebrating what God did. You know, we, we can face everything. We can face even death when we know that we are winning. And we are. Listen to this. This is Paul in Romans chapter 8. This is powerful. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who's going to call us guilty? God's the judge, and we're following him. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. No one's going to. Jesus took all the condemnation. We're not even condemned. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I love this. I'm, I'm going to skip down the verse. Uh, I can't even see what the verse number is 38. Verse 38 says this, verse 37, Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because we are winners when we're in God, right? And if you are in his hands and you're standing in him and with him, you're a winner too. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for giving us this word. Lord, I'm in this room with all these winners, Lord, these people that have trusted in you for salvation. And if there's someone that does not know you as their Lord and their Savior and their victor and their champion, Lord, I pray right now in this moment they are coming to the winning side and they're going to stand in your presence and with your presence. Lord, I pray if someone needs to trust in you, Lord, I pray that this is the moment that they're doing that and they're leaving all the defeats behind and they're looking forward to the victories that come in you. Lord, I pray if there's someone that needs to take a step of faith, Lord, that you would give them that courage to cross over whatever barrier it is, whatever fear would be, whatever unknown would be, Lord, and let them understand that being with you is all that we need. And Lord, in this, I pray that you would bring glory and honor to your name. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me. We're going to have a hymn of invitation, a hymn of response. If God's calling you to respond anyway, maybe God's calling you to be a, uh, a member of this church. Maybe God's calling you to be baptized. Maybe God's calling you just to pray about something. The altar is open. Whatever God is calling you to do, don't let anything keep you back because in Christ, you are a winner in him. Amen? Amen. Amen.
1: your blessing from God's word. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go out now to grow in your understanding of and appreciation for God's ultimate victory and all God's people who pledged to do so said, "Amen." Amen.